We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. And joined with me, as always, is the incomparable Brian Driscoll. <laughs> That's right. I told you no pay raises this, this month, Vince. We've had this conversation. We have. We have had that talk, but I'm still going to kiss up. So, the incomparable Brian Driscoll, whose title is publisher at Irish Breakdown. And we are going to talk about... The Pitt Panthers and the matchup that they have with Notre Dame. It is Notre Dame's first road game, which again is just crazy to think about since we uh, are closer to Halloween than we are to the beginning of the season and Notre Dame's going on the road for the first time. Uh, so they've got two road games in a row, uh, going to Pittsburgh this week and then of course Atlanta next week to face Georgia Tech. Uh, but, you know, we kind of talked about this before we uh, we started to record here, Brian. This is... It's a three and three pit team, okay. I you could make an argument that they are maybe not fulfilling the expectations that people had for them in the preseason, but at the same time, this is still a heck of a defense uh, for the Pitt Panthers. I, I think this is a huge matchup for Notre Dame. Um, it, it's not another cupcake for Notre Dame. Should they win this game? I think so, but. They're going to be tested um, uh, offensively against this defense. Number one team against the rush, and what does Notre Dame do well right now? They run the, run the ball. So that's the matchup, obviously, but uh, huge matchup for Notre Dame. Yeah, look, this is a game Notre Dame should win, should win relatively comfortably. 
and and we'll get into the reasons why. This isn't this isn't a huge matchup for Notre Dame for me from the standpoint of whether or not they're going to win. It's about how they win. Right. Uh, unless Notre Dame plays really bad, uh, they're going to beat Pitt. Pitt's just not good. Uh, mainly because of their offense and, and and some other holes that we'll we'll discuss throughout the podcast. But when I look at it, it, it's it's an opportunity because what is important about this game is that Notre Dame comes out of it in a in a situation where they can kind of continue building on whatever success they have in this game against Georgia Tech and then position themselves for November seventh because that's what this all boils down to is November seventh. And when I look at this Pitt team, I say. You know, Pitt's, Pitt's offense is really bad. It's it's mediocre at best. They are one of the worst rushing teams in the country. Their starting quarterback's probably not going to play, per Chris Peak during your interview with him yesterday during our, our uh, opponent insider podcast right. that, you, that you did with him. And Chris did a great job. So if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, go back and listen to Vince and Chris talk about Notre Dame and Pitt. That was a great job yesterday. But um, – you know he so so and he's their best player by far. So Notre, I mean Notre Dame could could win by three touchdowns and score twenty four points. You, you know what I mean? And that's not <laughs> going to necessarily make me feel good about yeah. moving forward. So what I want to see coming out of this game, and and I'll have a keys to you know I had a keys to victory article up earlier today about the offense where I talk about the things that they have to do. It's if Ian Book can come out of this game playing well against a really good defense, something he didn't do against Pitt two years ago, and until you know the end of the game, but he was the reason they needed to have the comeback at the end of the game. You know, if, if they can establish some down-the-field production from the offense, if they can, you know, still run the ball against what is a a really good pit front seven and exploit some – you know, so, so that's kind of to me where it's a big game for Notre Dame because it's an opportunity for them to get right, and they really haven't been right all year. They've really offensively against a team with a pulse – uh, they've had one, one good half of football, yeah. and that was the first half against Florida State. They were average against Duke. They were terrible against Louisville last week. Uh, they scored one touchdown in the second half against Florida State. So this is an offense that if they're going to win in two weeks when they play Clemson, this is an offense that's going to have to wake up, start getting right. And and I want to see what kind of changes and adjustments and on-the-fly uh, coaching we see from Tommy Reese and the staff, because that's going to tell me whether or not they're capable of, in two weeks, putting together a game plan that can be executed successfully when they play Clemson. So, clearly, this game is going to – again, I agree with you. This should be a Notre Dame win, regardless of what happens in this game. Uh, could Notre Dame lose? Of course they could lose. I mean, I – Pitt always plays Notre Dame close. It just seems to be that that's the way it goes, and so Pitt beat Clemson in 2016. Right? Exactly. I mean, that wasn't you know that wasn't a great Clem- Pitt, right. Pitt team either. Right. Clemson lost on a four and eight Syracuse team. Anything can happen. Absolutely. But it's one of those, you know, if crazy stuff doesn't happen, if Notre Dame just plays okay, they'll they'll because because of the defense is yeah. what it boils down to. Absolutely. But if Notre Dame just does okay, they're going to win this game. This isn't about whether or not – it's not a big win if Notre Dame wins against Pitt. It's just not. This is a 3-3 three and three football team that's going to be 3-4 and four after this weekend. It's more about how you win. And, Absolutely. And that's where Brian Kelly, to me, continues to miss the boat and why Brian Kelly – until he changes his mindset, until he finally realizes what you're doing is not going to win you a championship, and if he actually cares about winning championships, he ha- and, I, and we talked about this in the post-Louisville podcast, Vince, he has to stop looking at the result, and then he starts looking at the process, because the process is
is why you keep getting beat whenever you play a team that's even on your level or above. It's why you're not competitive whenever you play a team that has slightly better talent than you because it's the because you're so focused on the result that you're not focused on the process. So for me, I don't care about I mean I care about winning, but I don't care sure. that they just win 13 to 10, right? Right. I don't care about that. I care about are you doing things offensively? To come out of this game feeling like okay, we've we've made some corrections. We've got we're now taking steps towards being that kind of team that we should have been, could have been, and need to be in order to uh, maximize their potential as a program. So we know that the matchup is you know it's basically Pitt's defense versus Notre Dame's offense. That's that's what we're all going to be paying attention to. That's the big matchup in this game. But what what makes Pitt's defense so good? I mean, they've got a good front seven. Their two defensive ends are unbelievable. Uh, I believe the one is leading the nation in sacks. I mean, it, it, I think they've got 29 sacks or some, some, something ridiculous at this point. So what makes this defense so good? Well, it's a combination of, of talent and a, a coaching staff that is, is building around that talent. You know, the, they have a very good front four. And it's, you know, we talk about Patrick Jones II, who is a Virginia native, which, you know, helps when you recruit studs from Virginia. That's always going to help. <laughs> no bias there biased, at all, right? No bias None. whatsoever. Uh, you know, but, but, but seriously, I mean, he's a, he's a tremendous player, uh, but they complement it well. You know, Rashad Weaver was their leader in sacks two years ago. Uh, in 2018 and then last year he got hurt in fall camp missed the entire year so now he's back he shouldn't even be on the team this year you know it's it's you know he's only on the team because of because of the injury he sustained so um, and they have a very dynamic one-two punch their depth players are very productive uh, Brian Kelly talked about it during his press conference they throw waves at you and that's the thing we've complimented the Notre Dame defensive line out right. in the past and this this defensive line reminds me a lot of Notre Dame's defensive line last year in that they've got a great they got two really good starting ends but when they rotate those guys that come off the bench can really play, and they don't have any sexy big-name players at defensive tackle, but again, just a lot of guys that do their job and play at a high level. Sound familiar? That sounds a lot like what we saw from the Notre Dame defensive line yeah, exactly. last year. Um, and I would say that Patrick Jones is better than Julian Ackward and Khalid Kareem. That's not a knock on those two Notre Dame players. He's just that good. So... Um, it's just that that's where it starts but then also they build on they build their defense around having a great front you know and their linebackers are very aggressive you know they assume that you're going to need to use all five year blockers to block the four defensive linemen so they allow their linebackers to aggressively flow to the ball and they're still doing a lot of the the scheme stuff that Pat Narduzzi's always done safety's down in the box safety's cleaning things up putting their corners on an on an island and things along those lines and so and they just haven't played teams so far that are uh, that are good enough to really hurt them, uh, you know, at least some of the teams, and the teams that are good enough to hurt them, we saw this with, with Phil Dracovic in Boston College, you, you can throw it over their head, and you you have a quarterback that's willing to be aggressive and attack them down the field, that's where you can have success. So, uh, and, and not a lot of teams can do that because a lot of teams don't have the time to do that because of how good their pass rush is. So, yeah. so again, it's it's kind of playing off your strengths. Like if, you, if your corners are going to have to cover all day, I think that the 2015 game, Vince, when when Pitt ran the same defense they're running now, and Notre Dame just destroyed them. You know, Will Fuller went off that day. Notre Dame ran on him that day. Well, they were trying to run the same scheme they're doing now. They just didn't have the horses up front to get it done. 
now they have the horses up front to get it done and they're being successful with it and 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 they play to it very aggressive defense very sound defense you know up front um they, they can they can be exploited in certain areas but you got to really execute at a high level to exploit them or you just have to have a just a difference maker quarterback that can make big time throws we saw that from boston college with Dracovic. we saw that with devin leary at nc state i mean he made some big time throws in that game it was just kind of like if he if he can't make those throws, if they're back, if, if Bailey Hockman was still starting for NC State, the guy that began the season at NC State at quarterback, they would have lost that game. Pitt would have won. But Devin Leary made some big time money throws in that game to win the game. Phil Dracovic did the same thing. Uh and, and Ian Book is gonna have to do the same thing for Notre Dame. So the the vaunted part of this defense is up front, just like you said, that they're allowing sixty one yards a game on the ground, which is mind-boggling to me uh and we'll get to their offense but they're not doing very good over there running the ball Mm -hmm. uh but but defensively look that's Notre Dame's strength right now coming into this game so uh let's talk about the 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 run defense and how Notre Dame matches up against that and are they going to have any kind of success against the number one rush defense in the country right now I think if Notre Dame plays like they have the last three games yes yeah, they, they can they can run on them. Now, are they going to run for, you know, 250 yards? If they do, then <laughs> just then if they if Notre Dame runs for over 200 yards against Pitt, then whoever runs the Joe Moore Award needs to just kind of put the trophy in a truck and just bring it to South Bend right away. <laughs> I mean, that that would be a I mean, it's like, okay, all right, this is over. This one's over. Uh, you know, it, it's just this is a really good run defense. So it's all about, to me, it's all about the understanding the proper context of what would success mean, you know, and one of the things I, I wrote about, uh, for example, uh, this morning, I put out, or yesterday I put out my, you know, my stacking up and I talked about just the overall numbers that Pitt has on, on the run defense and just how successful they are. And then today in my, in my midweek musings, I talked about, you know, some of the numbers to look for, for Notre Dame. And one of the things I want people to kind of understand is, you know, you have to understand numbers and context. So when you look at Pitt, for example, they're giving up 1.9 yards per rush, right? In their last 20 games, they've only had two opponents go over four-point yards per rush, and the last team to go for over five-point yards per rush was Clemson back in 2018, that Clemson team that, you know, went on to win the national championship and beat Notre Dame 30-3 yeah, in the average, playoff game, yeah. right? So to me, it's like, you know, if Notre Dame gets over four and a half yards a carry, that's a really big time performance. That would have been that's going to be their worst performance of the season statistically, right? But it's about in context against Pitt, if you're able to do that with all the resources Pitt's going to commit to the run game, that's a big time game. And if you get over 5 yards of carry, then this is going to be a blowout in my opinion. Unless it's a situation where like they get like 180 yard run and then they do nothing. Right, you, right. You, you understand that's the context skewed, of what sure. I'm saying. Right. So to me, that's going to be a big part of it. I think Notre Dame's Notre, the, what makes this Notre Dame offensive line so good is is not only do they have really talented individual players, but those talented individual players are playing well together and they're playing with force. Uh, what happens with a lot of teams that play, play Pitt, they almost come in kind of intimidated by Pitt and they're immediately game planning to not get beat by the Pitt defensive line. Sure. Notre Dame needs to avoid that mistake. They need to take the fight to Pitt because what can happen when you have a really good defense is you expect teams like, well, they're not going to test us there because they know better. And so you kind of almost get a little bit um, uh, complacent. complacent. Yeah. 
And and Notre Dame needs to take the fight to Pitt. They need to they need to run at Pitt. They need to mix up the run game. They need to utilize their tight ends effectively. Uh, they need to mix up inside outside runs. Get Pitt guessing. Don't think don't I mean don't be stubborn and just make it a box game like we're going to run the inside zone and we're going to prove to them that we're better than them. Uh, that's just dumb, right? You know, do that, <laughs> but dumb. also run the outside zones, run the counters, run. And I think that the other thing too is they're going to have to protect the run game too. If this just comes down to the run game has to carry it like they did against Louisville last week with no help from the pass game, then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna struggle because Pitt's just gonna commit more resources to the run game where Notre Dame's just not gonna I mean Notre Dame could be in a situation where every every lineman and tight end blocks the guy that they're supposed to block and there's still two guys there that, that are unblocked. And and those guys are better players than the guys that Kyron Williams was making miss and Chris Tyree were making miss against Louisville and Florida. Right, State. right. And so uh, that to me is, yes, they can have success, but what will that success look like? If they get over 150 yards, 175 yards, that's a really good game. Uh, you know, and, and it's going to put Notre Dame in position to, to really be successful. And if they get near 200 yards, then this game's just not going to be competitive, in my opinion. Again, Pitt's given up 60 yards, 61 yards a game. I mean, if, if you put up 150, that's three times what they normally right. give up. So. Well, then they haven't played really good. I mean, this well, is the granted, thing about granted. this is the interesting part of this matchup. Notre Dame hasn't been tested defensively. They haven't played a team that's tested them. A, a defense, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's offensive line run game. They haven't played a good rushing defense yet. They haven't played a team that, that that you know, Duke had a really good defensive line, but they were more geared towards pass rushing than they were stopping the run. Pitt hasn't really played a team that's a very good rushing team. Right now, they're both doing what you're supposed to do when you are elite against those teams. They're dominating. But this right. is going to be the first test for both teams, and that's why it's going to make it very interesting to say, you know, how can this Notre Dame offensive line take the fight to Pitt? But then also, how does Tommy Reese, from a game plan standpoint, do things that protect the offensive line? Or I don't say protect them, but take some of that burden off of them. You know, use play action passes. Take your shots downfield. For the love of God, make your tight ends a big part of your passing game early you, you know what I mean don't run four verts with Brock Wright Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley on the field together right. because now you're not putting your offensive line in the situation to be successful so if Tommy Reese can, can can kind of you know get last week's poor game plan poor play calling out of a system and then do a better job this week actually building an offense around the strengths of his football team from a specific personnel standpoint not just generic pass games that they like uh, but what can they execute at a high level? Then, then I think there's a lot of big plays to be had for the Notre Dame for the Notre Dame pass game. And if they can hit a couple of those early, Vince, then that forces Pitt to have to be thoughtful of, okay, well we're having trouble guarding this Kevin Austin kid by ourselves. We're having trouble, you know, with this Tommy Trumbull guy or Michael Mayer, or, or we just got beat with a wheel route by Chris Tyree. We got to be think thoughtful about how aggressive we want to be from a number standpoint, and if num if Notre Dame's pass game and if Tommy Reese from a play calling standpoint can do some things early that get the pit safeties thinking I can't just come downhill, or get the pit linebackers thinking I can't just fly to the ball because they hit me with a screen or a wheel route or whatever the case may be, then that's a win, and that's when you start you'll start to see the Notre Dame offensive line exert as well, and that's how they could get that you know 175 to 200 yard performances. If they have success in those other areas early, get Pitt out of its game. Because that's what they did in 2015. They hit some big shots early to Will Fuller. And if you remember, C.J. Procise wasn't running great in that game. He got hurt in the second half. Josh Adams just went off running the, running the ball. And a big part of that was because Pitt was so worried about Will Fuller going over their head again. 
that it just uh, it, yeah. it made Notre Dame balanced. And if Notre Dame can be balanced in this game, and, and as Brian Kelly rightfully pointed out the other day, balance isn't 50-50 snaps or 50-50 yards. It's can you effectively – uh, from an from an efficiency and explosiveness standpoint, attack teams with the run and pass. Notre Dame has not been able to do that with the pass game this year. If they're able to do that with the pass game early against Pitt, then Pitt's not going to have a chance. And that's what I mean by if they come out of this game doing those things effectively, and I see Tommy Reese building and growing maturing as an offense corner in those regards, and if I see Ian Book making the plays he needs to play, and Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, the tight ends, those kind of things, then you start saying, okay, now this team is starting to play to its to its talent level and not just being stubbornly saying, well, this is who we are and we're going to do these things and we're going to do those things. And and I would be super happy if I saw a couple RPOs this weekend, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah, I think we've been waiting for those for four weeks. Um, but that's another conversation, I would imagine. <laughs> but uh, well, you, you've outlined nicely how Notre Dame needs to attack this pit defense and I and I I think you're exactly right and I think the key for for me as I've watched the film is and and how teams have been successful against this pit defense you've got to get those tight ends involved I mean that that seems to be the kind of an area of weakness if there is one on this pit defense it's it's uh, those matchups with the linebackers with with good solid tight ends and guess what Notre Dame's got two pretty good tight ends uh, better I think in my opinion than than Pitt has seen this year now the, the kid from Miami is obviously is good um, but I, I just think Notre Dame you know you're talking one two punch tight end I think Notre Dame is better I think they can exploit that matchup that's what I would be going after what what are some matchups other than the O line versus the D line that you're looking at. I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. And, and really what it boils down to is I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction. It's going to be Tommy Reese versus a couple veterans. It's going to be Tommy Reese against Pat Narduzzi and, and Randy Bates. Now, Tommy Reese was a GA at Northwestern on, on the same staff where Randy Bates was a linebacker's coach. So they, they know each other. But to me, that's the matchup. It's it's Tommy Reese and Lance Taylor and John McNulty against Pat Narduzzi and Randy Bates. And, and that's really good, the key for me because – Talent-wise, Notre Dame has the better, the better has the big-time matchup advantage when it comes to their tight ends against Pitt's linebackers in, in every regards, or their tight ends against Pitt's safeties, or you know Pitt doesn't have anyone that can cover Kevin Austin. You know if Braden Lindsey's healthy and, and he's focused and playing well, they don't have anybody that can run with him. Notre Dame has. This is the thing that frustrates me is like, whoa, they don't have the receivers. Yes, they do. Yeah, they, they do. have the players. They're just not using the players. And it's not just Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. That's a a part of my frustration. But one of the first things I wrote about in the article this week at Irish Breakdown where I said the pass game needs to get better, and it can, is you've got these stud tight ends. Use them. Don't just target them seven times combined in the last two games. Use them. Build your pass game around them, which then takes pressure off of the receivers. And now you're now you Javon McKinley doesn't have to be Chase Claypool. Kevin Austin doesn't have to be Miles Boykin, right? Use your stud tight ends to take some of that pressure off the receivers. And and that's going to come down to game plan and play calling and, and play design. You know, are are they able to use their running game? to show Pitt looks that gets Pitt's linebackers thinking downhill, 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 or gets Paris Ford focusing on the backfield to where if Paris Ford is the safety or DeMar Hamlin is the safety, is looking into the backfield as Tommy Tremble or Michael Mayer are running at them, they have no chance, no chance to cover them. So, so those are the things you have to do. So we could talk about players, but here's the fact. Notre Dame's skill players are much better than Pitt's skill players on defense. End of statement, end of story. 
it's about whether or not Tommy Reese and whether or not the coaching staff can come up with a game plan that puts those players in position to utilize their talent right. advantage. If they do that, not only will Notre Dame have success in this game, but it's going to get me feeling a lot better about the direction of this offense moving forward to where I think that they will be able to go toe-to-toe with a Brent Venables or if they get into the playoff against a Kirby Smart or a, or a, or a Kerry Coombs at Ohio State. You get what I'm saying? So to me, that's really the important thing here is I need to see this staff show me that they have the chops to really build around the talent that they have and not just out-talent people, but then out-game plan and out-call people. And if you can combine those two things together, that's why I said in that article, I think this pass game has a potential to still be really, really good. It's just whether or not they can push the right buttons. Okay, Brian. So we talked about the strengths of both teams, really. Uh, you know, the, the Notre Dame offense, the run game specifically versus the the Pittsburgh defense and their run game uh, and how they defend that. Let, let's flip the script. Let's go to the, the undercard, if you will, uh, <laughs> in, in this game. Let, let's talk about the uh, the Notre Dame defense versus the Pitt offense. And, you know, when I talked to Chris uh, on the last podcast and he was talking about Pitt and, and everything that they do, and they're just not very good uh, on the offensive side of the ball. They can't run the ball. I think they're, they're leading rusher. Averages like 39 yards uh, a game on the ground. Uh, they have a backup quarterback in because Kenny Pickett is probably still hurt. Uh, so that kind of brings the the passing game down to earth a little bit more. Um, <laughs> what What's the biggest mismatch, at least on paper, right now that you see on this side of the ball? Notre Dame's 11 starters against Pitt's 11 starters. <laughs> Would probably be where I say no. I, I'm being serious. I like, know you are. That's the thing. Um, I, I'm jokingly serious. Is, is I yeah. guess the best way to put it. I, th- this is where. This is why I. This when we er, talked earlier in the show about how I'm not actually thinking Notre Dame's going to lo- really can lose this game, barring them just utterly collapsing uh, and turning the ball over a bunch of times. Which let's be honest, uh, for all the criticisms over the last couple years of Ian Book. Man, he turns the ball over too much. It has never really been a part of that conversation. That's true. Yeah, so I don't. I don't and, and the running backs, even going back to the Altry Denson era and, and continuing into uh, the Lance Taylor era, this is just not a team that turns the ball over a bunch uh, in on offense. Now we've seen some special teams mistakes costly to Notre Dame over the years, but we just haven't seen this offense really turn the ball over a ton. Uh, and, and when they do turn it over, it's usually like while driving. It's not yeah. like backed up at their own fifteen. You know, so. Barring them just utterly collapsing and losing like a, you know, just giving Pitt easy points, or as we saw in, in 2018, giving up a special teams touchdown, which remember, that's where Pitt got one of their touchdowns. Right. Actually, both of Pitt's touchdowns in 2018 were a direct result of special teams. If you remember, Pitt took that opening drive, like 16 plays down the field. Well, Notre Dame forced a three and out, and then they jumped off sides on the punt. Notre Dame did, and that gave Pitt that's a first right. down, and that's how they continued – down to score, and then of course they uh, they um, you know scored a, a kick return for a touchdown. That that was their points. That's how Pitt scored against Notre Dame. Uh, and that offense, I would argue, was a lot better than this offense. That offense had, as Chris talked about yesterday, that offense had two thousand yard rushers, and and uh, this offense just really is not good. And even when when Kenny Pickett's playing, it's just not good. And you know they'll they'll do some things that look impressive statistically. Right. You know they they're going to throw it a lot, which means they're going to get a lot of yards. But their yards per attempt are are, are really nothing impressive. 
you know, they, they throw the ball deep a lot. And that is the one thing that I found interesting is they are going to methodically come at you. It's a really weird offense to evaluate. They're going to run a lot of quick game, a lot of screens, a lot of, you know, West Coast pro-style philosophy principles, and then they'll just take shots. And, and I think that lack of, of any kind of balance in their pass game really makes it an inefficient pass game where it, it, it's going to put up impressive numbers, but practically speaking, it's not an overly productive pass offense. You know, so some of the things they do rank well. You know, they rank 20th in yards per game at 283.2 yards per game. They rank 36 uh, with 12.5 yards per completion. Well, if you look at Notre Dame's pass offense, Notre Dame's at 12.2 yards per completion. So they're very similar. And what have we done all year about Notre Dame's pass offense? It's, it's complain been about non-existent, it. yeah. Right? And, and it's just they're not making big plays. You know, Notre Dame averages 7.5 yards per attempt. Pitt averages 7.2. So Notre Dame is even better there. They're fifth, Pitt's 51st in the country in pass efficiency. Now, 51st in the country in pass efficiency now is not what it was a year ago because now there's only 77 teams right. that are playing. Uh, you know, so there's just nothing that I look at and say, boy, they're really good there. And even like Jordan Addison, their freshman receiver, you know, he's a good player, but he's just not a guy that scares me. And, and then when you dive deeper into, into Pitt's offense, you realize that even the good stats they have are a bit of a byproduct of, of really success in two games. And they really haven't thrown the ball effectively consistently. So against Awesome P. An FCS team, they beat 55 to nothing. They averaged 11.0 yards per attempt. Against NC State, they averaged 10.3 yards per attempt. Threw for 411 yards. The rest of their games, 6.0 against Syracuse, 5.8 against Louisville, 5.7 against BC, 5.9 against Miami. That, that's not going to beat anybody any good. And that's why they struggle to beat Louisville, who's not good. Uh, and that's why they struggle to beat Syracuse, who's not good. Uh, and, and so, you know... Coaches can try to explain away how a one and four team is actually better than one and four, but we've watched those teams and they're just not good. And and Pitt wasn't even really able to shred them. You look at their completion percentage. I mean, their last three games: fifty-five percent, fifty-one point one percent, forty-eight point nine percent. That's not going to get it done against Notre Dame. And when you're when you're a team that then complements that inefficient pass game with a non-existent rushing attack. I mean, it's the most bizarre thing. And you look at a team that two years ago against Notre Dame, they couldn't they couldn't throw the ball at all. Now they're they're you know they can put up good numbers throwing the ball, but they they can't run it. I mean, the, two years ago this team had a thousand yard rusher, two one thousand yard rushers. Right now they're barely on pace to rush for a thousand yards as a team yeah. on the season. Yeah. And I mean, they're averaging 107 point, 107 yards per game, 2.9 yards per carry. So uh, there's just not a lot of threat here. Uh, their offensive line is is just just not good at run blocking. Chris talked about this yesterday. They get pushed off the line a lot. They get bullied a lot. Uh, they just really have a hard time creating running zones. And I don't feel like Mark Whipple really does things to try to get the run game going. The running game for Mark Whipple the last two years has been nothing but a an occasional thing we use as a coaching staff to, you know, to, to keep teams honest. Sure. You know, it's an and, and, and you're, you know, I'm a big believer that any system can work, but part of success on offense or defense is finding a system that fits what your players do well. And that's why I said, you know, Rich Rodriguez back when Michigan hired him, it guy's a really good football coach. That was a horrible hire for Michigan because what he wants to do 
schematically from a recruiting standpoint, that's not Michigan, right? right. That's just not you're not going to be able to recruit the kind of players at a place like Michigan to be successful. You're at Pitt and you're trying to run this finesse Uh, West Coast kind of offense, and you're like, that's not Pitt, right? Um, That's not the kind of recruit you're going to get. And uh, they just – they really have no uh, – they have a schematic identity on offense, but they don't have a physical identity. You have They have a bunch of players that should be doing one thing, and they're not because they're just being asked to – you know, to be something they're not. And and it really makes them an ineffective offense. And and I'll be shocked, shocked if this team – scores on Notre Dame with any kind of consistency at all, barring short fields. I mean, as athletic as Florida State is, they scored 26 points on Notre Dame. They needed two turnovers to get to those 26 mm-hmm. points. And, and they were running stuff that Notre Dame hadn't really been able to prepare for because, you know, they had a new quarterback in there. Well, Joey Yellen is is, is not moving in the pocket. I mean, no, this actually helps. Yeah, yeah, this helps Notre Dame because at least Kenny Pickett – Kenny Pickett had some gamer to him. You know, he, he – he just would make the plays you think you know he needed to make, and he, you know even against NC State, the game they lost. I mean, Kenny Pickett let him down the field for a drive with a, with a, like two minutes left to give him a lead, and then the defense gave it away. Uh, he's the, and, and he's the second leading rusher right now on right. this team. So if that right. tells I you mean, anything, 119 yards. Well, it's, you know, but they're, they're <laughs> he, not. He's no Malik Cunningham or you know. But, but they're not. The they're not yeah. designed runs really. They're scrambles. There's a lot him of them are, yeah. plays. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. No, and you're absolutely. I was just giving you a hard time. I but know. you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not like he is running the read zone like Jordan right. Travis did. Exactly. And, and you know, or or running bootlegs and then Joey Yellen's definitely not doing that kind of stuff unless you know unless he's something that I've never seen on film before I mean even on his high school film you know again he's got a good arm he can throw the ball downfield and if if Pitt gives it and here's the one thing that concerns me Vince Pitt actually is a pretty decent pass blocking offensive line correct uh they've given up 12 sacks uh that's two a game that's not a bad number because remember they've played two more games than Notre Dame has they've played six games so 12 sacks is uh, you know, is is actually kind of close to being on line with where Notre Dame as is at, who's given seven up, given up seven sacks in four games, and Notre Dame's got a, a pretty good offensive line, obviously. So when I look at when I look at Pitt, I see a team that Notre Dame struggled to get after the quarterback the last two games against offensive lines that are far worse at pass blocking than Pitt's offensive line is. So that's a concern, and I, and and Miami did not let Joey Yellen get comfortable, or and and. Davis Bevel, the other quarterback, they did not let either one of those guys get Smart. comfortable yeah. at all, and um, because they can't, they're not really movers, and so that's something Notre Dame offense, the defense needs to be able to focus on is they got to be able to pressure the quarterback. Now, my concern, however, Vince, is are you going to be able to do that with your front four? Or are you going to have to blitz Awusu, Koromo, and Kyle Hamilton and those guys? Because you know my philosophy on blitzing. I love blitzing when you're blitzing because you want to. I Correct. get nervous about blitzing when you're blitzing because you have to. Right. And so far in the last couple of games, Notre Dame has had to blitz because they, they've needed to to get to the quarterback. And that's where you can, you know, when you blitz, it's like this. Little mistakes can get you beat when you blitz. And, you know, if, if a, a guy on a crossing route falls down, you know, we've seen plays where guys get outside, Jeremiah Wusu will just go make a play in space. Well, what if he blitzes? What if those snaps for you've got Owusu, Kormoa, and Kyle Hamilton both blitzing, which we've seen quite a bit? Well, now if what if that blitz doesn't get home, or what if you know what if Sean Crawford slips? Yeah. What if Tariq Bracey slips? I mean, now those little mistakes. You know, what if they don't play the rub right? You know, 
those little mistakes when you're blitzing your two best athletes or even one of your best athletes can can be dang, those can be game changing plays where you have it schemed up right it just just that one little mistake or that one little you know guy slips guy runs into somebody guy run, ref steps into a crossing defender I mean we've seen stuff like that happen before uh, in, in college football so that's where you get nervous is if they can't if they can't put pressure on the quarterback and he's got opportunities to attack downfield. That makes me nervous because one thing I, you know, look at the stats, Vince, when you break down this game, you know, Pitt, Pitt's, so Notre Dame's vertical pass defense on paper has been really good. They haven't given up a lot of big plays. They didn't give up a single completion beyond 20 yards in the first two games of the year, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Duke and South Florida are really bad throwing the ball down the field. In, In the first, through this point of season, those two teams are combined 11 of 53 on throws of at least 20 yards past the line. They went 0-6 against Notre Dame. Well, Florida State, Jordan Travis and Malik Cunningham, Notre Dame's last two quarterbacks they faced, are 22-43 of 43 on throws of at least 20 yards past the line. Well, that was the only success those teams had throwing the ball against Notre Dame. They went 5-7 and seven against Notre Dame the last two games, throwing the ball 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Well, Pitt's already, Pitt by themselves has already completed 19 throws of at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Trevor Lawrence has 12. Ian Book has five, right? So Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence combined haven't hit as many balls of at least 20 yards past line of scrimmage as Pitt has. That's concerning if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, And so that's where Pitt can steal those yards that could could prove, hey, they they only need a few. If Notre Dame's offense struggles, Pitt only needs a few of those plays and one mistake on offense or special teams to be able to pull off the upset. And so that's why it's really important – that the Notre Dame defensive line step it up after not really thriving much in the pass game, uh, the pass rush area the last two couple games. Well, and just to add on to that before we move into the next thing, I'm looking at the stats here. Eight different pass catchers for Pitt have catches of 20 yards or more. And, right. And you can add a 19 or ninth one in there uh, who has ni- is his long as 19. So mm-hmm. you've got guys that, that can stretch the field. I mean, right, cause they don't have just like one guy you take right. Tamori and Terry out and in Florida state can't score or something sure. like that. Right. That, sure. To your point, all those guys can beat you deep yeah. and their least effective vertical weapon is their best receiver, Jordan Addison. Yeah. You know, he's only 11.7 yards. Per, he does a lot of that crossers and quick game and stuff like that. He's not even their biggest threat. Right. And, and so if they're able to hit some of those and Notre Dame has to back off their safeties, now all of a sudden Jordan Addison is getting more effective because now maybe he has a little bit more room to run on some of those crossers and some of those drags, some of those quick game because you need to keep Kyle Hamilton deep. Well, you, you basically so, – yeah, you basically hit my next point. I, I – you brought up Jordan Addison, and his numbers are, are, are adequate. He's got three touchdowns along a 75, averages 11.7 yards uh, per catch, uh, 74 for games. But is there anybody on this offense that scares you at all? I, I would assume it might be Addison, but, you know, you could take – I think you could take him out. So uh, is, is there anybody on this offense that scares you at all? Nobody that scares me. I, I think that – what. You know, I think for me, when I look at this team, I say the one guy that I, uh, you know, kind of raises a bit of a concern is anyone that they have that can stretch the field. And I think the two guys that that would concern me the most if I was Notre Dame are DJ Turner and Tasir Mack. Mm-hmm. And you look at their numbers; neither of them are going to blow you away with numbers. DJ Turner's got 19 catches; Tasir Mack has 15. But 
Those two guys, to me, have been the most dangerous when it comes to stretching the field. I think they both have the ability to get over get over top. I mean, when you look at sure. uh, when you look at DJ Turner, he's a little guy, but but he can he can get over the top. He's well, got some juice. He's, and he's their best seven. return man too. Sorry, yeah, and he's got he's aver- no. You're good. You're good. Uh, he's averaging. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Why are they putting him back in the return game? Right. Because they think he can hit one, right? Exactly. Um, some teams actually, you know, do like to have guys that can make big plays in the return game. Brian, just hypothetically, Brian. just no. in general, <laughs> just in general. Um, but DJ Turner also averages seventeen and a half yards per reception. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Tasir Max at almost fifteen and a half, and, and so and they're different. You know, Tasir Max, a bigger guy, six two, two hundred five. Uh, you know, he's not having the kind of year he had last year where he had 63 catches for 736 yards. You, you know, he's, he's been less of a weapon, but he's, he's a guy that can do some damage. DJ Turner's 5'9", you know, but he's a guy that, again, can, can stretch the field a little bit. So those are two guys to me, Vince, that, you know, again, I, I wouldn't say they scare me, but those are two guys you got to make sure don't get those cheap plays that can keep Pitt in this ball game. Sure, and that's the thing is, if Notre, if Pitt has to go seven, eight, nine plays down the field to score points to beat Notre Dame, it's just not going to happen much. Uh, you know, because Notre Dame, talent wise, just at every position, Notre Dame has better players than than Pitt does. Even DJ Turner and Tasir Mack and Jordan. I mean, Tariq Bracy to me is a is a better player than those guys. You know, Kyle Hamilton's better than anybody Pitt has on their roster you, you know so uh Notre Dame has to avoid the, the mistake so a mistake like say your buck linebacker uh biting down on oh, a wheel route yeah. you know or uh or your safety not get helping over top you know so like you, you look at the 30-yard gain that Shane Simon got beat on against Florida State uh, you know as, a, as a, a slot route well that's not on Shane Simon in my opinion that's on the safety not getting over top to help take yeah. away that route you know so so mistakes like that against Pitt could be where they get the cheap yards and now against Florida State it didn't hurt you because you could score 42 but I don't know if Notre Dame is capable of scoring 42 on Pitt unless they're able to force a bunch of turnovers uh, and I'll say this if, if Notre Dame does offensively come out and dominate on that side of the ball and really take it to Pitt beyond just as we talked earlier beyond just being you know a big win here it sets them up for future success and i would say the same thing about the pass defense they weren't challenged the first two games vertically they they were challenged more against louisville and, and florida state and they, they they some ups and downs and you're going to be challenged again if you're going to beat clemson in two weeks you have to have a, a pass defense that limits the big plays we saw that in 2018. So this is going to be another test where, again, my my big thing about this game, Vince, is Notre Dame should beat Pitt. There's no excuse not to beat Pitt. It's not about just beating Pitt. It's about are you putting yourself on all facets of the game in position to then be ready when the, when the moment gets biggest. And that's why I say on defense, just like offense, there are things that I want to see them do well that are going to make me feel, okay, this team is is, is on pace to, to take it. So pass rush, being more effective without having to blitz uh, and, and limiting the big plays in the pass game. If they come out of this game doing those two things, no matter what the score is, I'll feel a lot better about how they match up uh, when the going gets tough. Because let's be honest, Notre Dame hasn't faced a lot of good offenses this year either. Um, and they've played two athletic offenses. One moved the ball with a lot of success, Florida State. The other one, they shut down. I mean, they shut down Louisville. So this is going to be a test uh, that, that um, you know, schematically is going to be a test for Notre Dame, but personnel-wise, it should not be uh, the kind of test that we, we saw in previous weeks. If they can shut down 2-2 Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick, I just have a hard time believing that Pitt is going to give them a lot of problems. Yeah. So... W- 
I guess the, the best question to ask right now would be, again, all the attention is going to be on when Notre Dame's on offense and Pitt is on defense. But when it's not that way, when, when it's Pitt's offense versus Notre Dame's defense, what's the major matchup that you're really keeping an eye on during this game? To me, it's going to be the ends. Uh, I, I think that this is a big game for Dalen Hayes has got to step up. He had a good game against Duke. Uh, he hasn't played well since. Uh, Adi Ogundiji has played well, but he hasn't played great. I'd like to see both of them kind of raise their level of play. And I'd like to see Notre Dame start getting Isaiah Foskey more involved as a, as a regular part of the rotation. The reality is, is they're going to need his pass rushing ability. And you're starting to get into the part of the schedule in November – you're going to play a bunch of teams that aren't necessarily uh, going to, you know, ground and pound teams. So you know, their teams like to throw it. You know, North Carolina can run it, no doubt about it. They had two really good backs, but you got to get after the quarterback to beat them. Uh, BC is not a team that's going to run the ball. They're going to throw it a bunch. Clemson is a balanced team, but you know, the key to them too is is getting after Trevor Lawrence, and so they're going to need that pass rush help. So I'd like to see. Isaiah Foskey get a little bit more opportunity there, maybe Ovia Gofu. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that edge matchup. I, I want to see Notre Dame's uh, tackle defensive ends handle Pitt's tackle. So I, I think I've done a solid job this year. Their tackles are decent players. They've done a decent job of of controlling. And and really, then the games that I broke down for Pitt, a lot of times when there was pressure on a quarterback, it was up the middle. And, and their tackles are good. So, if, if again, if, if Notre Dame comes out of this game and Adi Ogundiji has a big day again on the edge, if Dalen Hayes starts flashing again, if Isaiah Foskey starts looking like he did early in the season, then you're going to feel like, yeah, okay, they're now past the whole you know COVID break that Kelly likes to point to as the reason they're not playing at a high level. And if they're doing that in this game, then, then maybe there's some validity to that. You know, yeah. that now that they're three games removed from that, you can't use that excuse anymore. So if they come out and do what I think they're capable of doing, then you can say, okay, you know, maybe there was something to that. And now they're starting to really hit their stride because this should be the game, game three, past the, the break. This should be the sure. game where you really start to hit your stride. A team you have way better players than uh, a team that's not really a threat, you know, offensively. This should be the game where you say, okay, boy, they're really playing at a high level. Now we're starting to see the real Notre Dame team start to show up. Well, in, in, yeah, and just to build on that point, everybody's healthy and everybody's back and they, they've had a week of practice. And, you know, it, it's not a situation where guys come back on Thursday, so they're not really available. And then they're building back up for the following week. This is week three uh, being post the COVID break. And there, there's no you can't use that as an excuse. Right. I mean, you, you just can't. Not so, anymore. No. Right. Exactly. And, no. I, and I think, you know, you, there's a lot going into this game with it being the first game on the road I mean, that this that adds just extra you know I mean it, it adds to it they're, they're going to be out of their routine uh, that they normally are in even when they go on the road it's not going to be normal so uh, there's going to be that but that's not an excuse either in my opinion to not play well in this game and th this game could be a catalyst in either direction for the rest of the season I really do believe that just because of what the pit defense gives you uh, versus this offense. And this offense needs to take a couple steps forward in a couple of different places. And they can do that in this game, and, and then that could springboard into some good things. Uh, but if they don't, and we'll talk about that in our postgame uh, podcast, but if they don't do that, then I think that there's room for concern. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, yes, you're going on the road. It's, it's, it's problematic. But, you know, Clemson went on the road last week against Georgia Tech, who had just come off a, a forty what forty six to twenty seven or forty seven twenty six win over Louisville, and they hung seventy three on them. Right, 
right? So, you know, you're not it, here here's the frustration I have is is I understand that things are happening this season that are unique, but they're happening to everybody. And so when when Brian Kelly constantly here's why I have an issue with Brian Kelly constantly pointing to these excuses whether they're because va- some excuses are valid you know like hey why didn't you come to work today my car literally broke down it's it, i'm sorry there's not it's still an excuse it's an acceptable one but it's still an excuse right but when you constantly point to these in a public manner you give your players sort of a justification for not being held to holding themselves to a higher standard because when you're willing to make excuses as a coach well then they're going to be more willing to to accept those mis- you know those excuses and it's the same thing when i when I vented about Brian Kelly complaining about, you know, how tired his players were late in 2017. Well, yeah, of course they were tired, but you know what? There's, you know, you, you don't think the Notre Dame players in 1988 were tired late in the year. You know I mean? You don't think Clemson's players get tired. You don't think Alabama's players get tired when they're getting into their eighth and ninth game against SEC opponents. You know, you know what I mean? You don't think Ohio state's players are tired when they get ready to play Michigan. Uh, stop making excuses. Right. And, and because this is happening to everybody now, that that doesn't mean though that the the excuses aren't aren't realistic. I mean, Notre Dame did go through something that not every team has gone through, which sure. is a, a pause during the season. You know, Clemson hasn't gone through a pause during the season, so I'm willing to grant them that that justification for the last two games. But again, like you said, Vince, this is now week two of a full roster. You know, I even I even bought some of the excuses about why the pass defense struggled against Florida State because half your cornerback rotation didn't practice until Thursday and Friday, right? Well, that that excuse is out the window because that's not happening the last two weeks. So again, now is the time where we should expect to see Notre Dame really take that next step and really start to heat up, and we should start to see Notre Dame for who they are, not. You know, not the the team that's still trying to find their legs underneath them. You're healthy now. You've had two straight weeks of good practice time with no interruptions. Yeah. Now it's time for you to show what a top team does, which is when you play inferior opponents, and Pitt is an inferior opponent, Mm -hmm. and I don't care where it is, you go handle business. And that's what they need to do. Completely agree. Uh, Let's let's slowly move into our wrap-up here. I want to get – Kind of your keys to the game. And you can jump back to the Notre Dame offense versus the Pitt defense. You can talk about the other side, which is uh, the, the Pitt offense versus the Notre Dame defense. But, but what are you going to be watching out for? What are your keys? And, again, we both think that, that Pitt is, is not going to beat Notre Dame. But keys to be successful if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, so for me, you know, again, I, I view this as what are you doing to not only win but come out of this with the momentum and the, uh, and the level of play you need to build on to start, you know, pounding Georgia Tech next week and then, you know, being able to compete with Clemson in two weeks and then beat North Carolina and Boston College and, and Wake Forest and teams like that. And so, number one, Ian Book has got to get comfortable early. And, and it's not just him, but it's also can Tommy Reese show that he can push the right buttons to get Tommy to get Ian Book going. And, and, and you know, I've been very critical of Ian Book in the past, but I defended Ian Book last week because I don't think he was put in position to be successful last week. Uh, now you've got to get him in position to be successful, and then Ian has to execute. So that that's something I want to see early. Are they using the quick game, the play-action shots, moving the pocket, using him in the running game, attacking the perimeter, doing things that in the past have shown are things Ian is comfortable with and get him going. I think number two, take advantage of your strengths. Look, Notre Dame has two incredibly talented tight ends. 
They have athletic players on the outside. You've got you've got Tommy Trumbull, Michael Mayer. You, on the outside, you've got Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts. You've got Kyron Williams at running back, Chris Tyree at running back. You've got Javon McKinley, Ben Skronik, and Avery Davis are guys that should be complimentary players. Do you start doing that? Do you start using your really athletic players? There are a lot of teams in the country. For all the complaining about the Notre Dame receivers, there are a lot of teams in the country, including Pitt, that would love to have Notre Dame's depth chart at wide receiver and tight end. Yeah. Would love. Tritt would Pitt will not tell you this publicly, but I guarantee you, if you sat down in a moment of honesty with Pitt's coaches, they would say, God, I would trade our skill players for Notre Dame skill players. In a heartbeat, they would make that trade. Uh, you know, so are you going to use it? Are you going to take advantage of your strengths? Because in this game, Notre Dame's strengths can attack Pitt's weaknesses, linebacker matchups. If if Tommy Tremble, Mayer, Williams, and Tyree are not isolating against the linebackers and safeties all game long in the past game, then something is wrong with Notre Dame's coaching staff. If you're not using Kevin Austin, Lindsey, Jordan, Johnson, and Kyle, and Xavier Watts to attack on the outside, again, pick two of them if you don't want you know, whatever. You need to use those guys. Get them quick game throws in space where they can make the pit corners miss. Allow them to attack the field. Give them the back shoulder opportunities. Allow them to exploit those one-on-one matchups on the outside. Are you doing that? Are you formationally using Tommy Trumbull to get outside and get into some of those matchups himself? Uh, these proven successful. Are you using Tyree and Williams, especially Tyree, uh, on on wheel routes and arrow routes and things, seam routes where they can get match in those same matchups? Uh, so I want to see that. I want to see a balance. Uh, and I would like to see them push the tempo a little bit. I would like to see them kind of, you know, use it as a mix-up, not just constantly come out and go slow and be methodical. You know, you don't have to also be Oregon every snap, old-school Oregon. But just every now and then come out and, and push a little bit. And, just, and it's something to kind of – it's a little trick that good coaches use to kind of – kind of get the other team out of rhythm and to get their offense into rhythm. And I'd like to see Tommy, uh, Tommy Reese do that. And then of course uh, you got to protect the football. You, you, that's so important on the road, uh, but you've got to protect the football, but not at the expense of being so vanilla that you're okay winning 13 to 10. Uh, so, so balancing that desire to attack pit with the, the understanding that you have to, you know, you have to protect the ball defensively. It's, it's a lot easier pit or that Vince, uh, you got to get pressure. You got to make pit one dimensional you got to have a game plan for the quick game, which I think Notre Dame should be really uh, personnel-wise with Owusu Koromoa, the corners, Kyle Hamilton. They should really match up well with handling the quick game and then limit limit the big plays. I mean, th- those to me are the key. If you do those things, and, and it it's, it's really shouldn't be that complicated because you, you have better players. I just And that's where I come down to it. I don't think Pitt's going to be able to move the ball with any kind of success against Notre Dame, and I don't think they're going to be able to score on Notre Dame. And, and that's why I said Notre Dame could score 24 points and win by three touchdowns. I really think this could be that dominant of a performance because you just held Louisville to seven, and and Louisville's got a way better offense, in my opinion, skill-wise and, and schematically and all that than, than Pitt does. Uh, yeah, it's not close, really. Yeah. 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 So, all right, you kind of, you you know – dipped your toe into the pool of predictions right there so i think that's a good segue to get to that part of the show uh we'll have our predictions out what friday right uh, in mm-hmm. written form and we've also got a couple of other games that we're gonna that we're gonna predict uh along with the rest of the staff here at irish breakdown but uh, i want to get your prediction or i'll i'll, I'll lead off i'll give yes. my prediction for for the game um you know Look, we've broken it down here for you. Pitt's offense does not scare me. The only thing I'm worried about is maybe a special teams touchdown, you know, something along those lines. So, so I gave Pitt 10 points. 
Um, I, I think that they might hit that, but it would not surprise me at all if, it, if they, you know, get a field goal or even if they get shut out, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and this could be a game where you see a little bit of the depth chart potentially. Um, but can the Notre Dame offense pull far enough away uh, score-wise to make it a depth chart game? I'm not sure that they can at the moment. I'm giving Notre Dame 24, so 24 to 10 is my prediction. I just the way the offense looked last week, uh, I just I worry about putting points on the board. I think they'll be better in the red zone than they were last week. Uh, but Pitt is so good in the red zone defensively. Notre Dame's going to have to be on point offensively. They're, they're going to have to do better than they did last week. They're, they're not going to win. I mean, they could win this game by scoring 12 points because I don't think Pitt's offense is very good. But you're going to have to put a few more points on the board. So, so my prediction is going to be 24-10. to 10. I, I agree with everything you're saying from a standpoint of how it's gone. I just I tend to look at games as more of how they should go. Sure. As opposed to how I think they're going to go, because if I was good at predicting things like that, I would be a gambler and I would uh, <laughs> not be living in northern Indiana. Hey, I I'd be that. living somewhere with a, a really phenomenal climate and not working a whole lot, you know. But uh, no, I would always work. I, I think I would lose my mind if I went a week yeah. without working. But the, the point is, I, I think this is a game where Notre Dame should dominate. I think this is a, a game where, you know, say what you will about, about Brian Kelly, uh, but. You know, sometimes his pride and ego and can get him in trouble, and I think it's been a, a big downfall of his. But I also think sometimes that pride and that ego can kind of say, you know, because Brian Kelly seems to be more affected by what we say than what opponents say. I, I'll never understand it. You know, he gets more mad about, you know, something that you know, you know, that we would dare question him on something than you know, losing a game. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which whatever. Uh, so so I do think. Think, you know he wants to go out there and and have this team show something. I think Tommy Reese is the same way. Look, say what you want about Tommy Reese and whether he should be the offensive coordinator at twenty eight or whatever the case may be. Here's one thing I learned about Tommy Reese when he was a player. He is a competitor. He has a big ego, which I think all great coaches have a big ego. Otherwise, I, I don't know if you can be a great coach. I mean, you can be humble in how you communicate with people, but when it comes to your knowledge and your ability as a coach, you, you think pretty highly of yourself. Uh, and, and you should. And, and I don't think he likes the fact that his team scored 12 points last week. I don't think he likes the fact that he's really getting criticized for the first time this year. And I think he's going to I think he's going to want to come out this week and, and say, you know, kind of give a big middle finger to everybody that was being <laughs> critical of his offense last week. And, and, and I think that that we're going to see some aggressiveness from Good. this offense. I think we're going to see some different personnel from this offense. I think we're going to see them utilize the tight ends. And I, and I think they're going to hit a couple shots early. And I think that's going to get it, – it, it reminds me almost like 2017. You go back and look at every game where Notre Dame's offense just dominated. It usually involved Brandon Wimbush hitting a big play early. First play of the game against Temple, he hits a post route. You look at the Michigan game, he hit three deep shots in the first quarter against Michigan. You know, one backed up to Alizé Mack, one on the sideline to Miles Boykin to set up a score, and then he had to bomb to Chris Fink. Uh, you think of the Michigan State game when he hit EQ on a, on a post route early on that first drive. When when that dominant running game could throw it over your head, it put teams in like, a, okay, what do we do now? USC that year was the same way. He hits a post route to EQ for a touchdown, hits a, a vertical back shoulder to Kevin Sefferson to put him up 14-0, USC didn't know what to do. If Notre Dame's able to hit a couple downfield shots in this game, uh, whether to the tight ends, to a wheel route, to Austin, Lindsey, whoever, if they can do that early and Pitt has to say, uh-oh, the throwing game's going, 
uh, that's going to allow Notre Dame to, to really take off. Because when BC hit a couple shots over Pitt's head, you know, Phil Dracovic had two bombs in that game. They didn't have the running game to take advantage and really put Pitt away. You know, they jumped up, I think it was 24 to 14, but Pitt could still attack them. So, I, so that's what I'm expecting, Vince. I'm expecting an aggressive game plan. I think Notre Dame's going to jump all over Pitt early. I think once their their pass game starts going early, that's going pit, to put Pitt on their heels, and then they're going to run it down their throat. And, and I'm predicting 31-9. I think Notre Dame's okay. going to come out and really take it to Pitt. And 31 points against Pitt in regulation is a, an impressive number. Sure. Uh, and so I think it's going to give them a lot of confidence to go down to Atlanta next week, and I think this offense is finally going to start rolling. If that doesn't happen, then I'm going to be really, really concerned. But that's what I think will happen, and I think we're going to see some pride uh, from Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly show up this week, and it's going to be good for Notre Dame, and I think it's going to get their offense rolling, and I think Ian Book's going to have a big day. I hope you're right because this offense has so much firepower and they have so much potential to be so good, and I was – I was in a good place with Tommy Reese there for a while, and I, you know, I'm second guessing myself, but it's one game, and you're right. He's a competitor, and I, I hope he comes and he he takes it personal, to be honest with you, and I, I, I really hope that that's the case. Um, so that's going to do it for this podcast, the preview of Pitt Notre Dame. Of course, Brian is going down or over over. To, uh, directly over, yeah, it's <laughs> over, a straight shot. Right, going over to Pittsburgh. You're going to be at Heinz Field, so make sure you stay locked into IrishBreakdown.com because he will have you know the up to the minute updates prior to the game, and then we'll be putting our thoughts uh, onto the website during the game, and then some post game thoughts, etc. And of course, we will have our post game wrap uh, podcast and all you need to know about the Pittsburgh Notre Dame football game and. And hopefully, and most likely, we will be talking about a Notre Dame win. But how do they get that win? That is the big question going into this week. So make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com, and we will talk to you next time. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 